0: open the podcast with i want to welcome everyone to episode number of matt memories from madison square garden a 50-year retrospective the early years of the WWF, the wwf and the wwe madison square garden the mecca of professional wrestling a building that every wrestler wanted to wrestle in today we want to welcome everyone to a bonus episode of matt memories from madison square garden madison square garden where every wrestler wanted to wrestle but not everyone did and that's today's show we have a list of some big names that have never had a chance to appear under the big lights at Madison Square Garden and to help us look back at all these shows a man who went to every wrestling house show at Madison Square Garden for 5 years straight starting August 30th 1971 Mr. Wrestling himself John
2: Arizzi. how you doing John I wish uh, as far as this list goes if you had wrestlers that uh, we saw many times that we wish we didn't see I'd put El Olimpico <laughs> on the top of that list <laughs> that's the next show that's the next bonus show. Okay, we could do that. But I'm doing well. Thank you, Tim. It's always a pleasure to be here. And uh, this is an interesting one to do a um, a bonus episode based on big name wrestlers that never got to enter the squared circle at the mecca of all arenas. And this special episode, we're going to bring on a very special guest. We've had him on one podcast before, and uh, we decided that he would be wonderful to participate in this bonus episode. And we're talking about Carrie Silkin. Carrie, the guy who was so instrumental with Ring of Honor and is in their Hall of Fame and did so many wonderful things in the wrestling business and attended a lot of these shows at Madison Square Garden back in the 70s that we review uh, on a month to month basis. So let's bring Carrie on right now. Carrie, are you with us?
3: Yes. Yes. Thank you, guys. I had a, I had a really good time going over that. Matt Memories, the Don, Leo, Jonathan, Pedro Morales match. And uh, thank you for thinking of me. And uh, hopefully we could come up with some... Interesting names here.
2: Yes, uh, there's been a lot of research that was done. Uh, you know, uh, Tim. Uh, I know it wasn't you who did the research. It was our good buddy Richie Garcia who does research for all of our episodes. And uh, a really interesting list of names. We'll go over and we'll try to think of some others. And uh, and and then kind of just like shoot the breeze a little bit about uh, those magical years at the garden. Well, before we get started,
0: I want to thank everyone who emailed and contributed to this list and our Patreons for helping us bring this podcast to you every week free of charge. Who received this podcast early, by the way? Patreon.com slash John and Rizzy. Join the family, relive the history. And help us keep the history of wrestling alive. Believe it or not, the wrestling history is long before the Attitude Era or Hulkamania. It started long before, and that's what we talk about on this show. Gentlemen, I'm going to bring up some names. You, you, I want you to tell me what you know about this wrestler. And if maybe if you've ever seen him live. I know you've never seen him live at Madison Square Garden. But tell me anything you know about this wrestler. Ring the bell, and let's get started. Wrestler number one who never wrestled at the Garden... Abdullah the Butcher. Terry, let's start with you. What do you know about Abdullah the Butcher?
3: If you didn't do the lead-in, I was going to say, John, I have a number one pick and I bet it's the same as yours. Tim, you hit it, you hit the nail on the head or you hit the fork on the head. (laughs) Yeah, Abdullah the Butcher, right, John? Not once.
2: Absolutely. And he was certainly um, somebody that would have caused quite the scene if he ever stepped inside the ring of Madison Square Garden just based on how violent he was and the foreign objects and the bloodletting. And Larry Shreve, he's still with us, 80 years old, recently featured in Dark Side of the Ring. Abby was one of those guys that legitimately put fear into the fans' hearts. And he might have caused a riot at Madison Square Garden if he ever faced Morales or Bruno.
3: I, I think that's a very good reason why they didn't bring him him in and we were speaking about this the last episode. Despite the fact that there were no guardrails for the fans, a large amount of the '70s, they were always worried and ready for a possible riot. John, when the sheik was in in the late '60s. They never brought him back because of that uh-huh. reason, I believe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was just someone who incited the crowd. And of course, with the violence and, you know, his foreign objects and the matches with Bruno, I mean, it was just not possible. Can you imagine if they ever had like a- Abby against the chic at the Garden? Forget oh, about it. Can I
3: throw a name out that I came up with? Absolutely. Go ahead.
2: How about Joe Duke? Joe Leduc, another one. Yeah, very famous, uh, <laughs> uh, performer and, um, Was he on Richie's list? He was on Richie's list. He uh, had that lumberjack gimmick. Uh, He debuted in 68, retired in 1995, never at the Garden. A couple things about him. He appeared uh, in the Hulk Hogan movie, No Holds Barred. 1988, after a year's absence from the ring, he made his first appearance in the WWF, defeating Brady Boone in a dark match on a Superstars taping. And uh, he had a few matches there and he wrestled Sam Houston. And a must watch is Joe LaDuke's blood oath on. YouTube. Have you ever seen that?
3: Is that with the axe and the uh, forearm?
2: (laughs) The blood oath, yes.
3: Okay. I watch too much wrestling.
2: (laughs) Well, we all do. We all do. I was going to ask you a question quickly about Abby. Did you ever use Abby uh, for Ring of Honor and anything, even for like a gimmick or like a special attraction?
3: (laughs) I would have loved to, but uh, it just never happened. I think my Ring of Honor era, which was essentially 2003 to 2000, 2012. I think Abby was still doing some independence, right, John?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I didn't get to see him many times wrestle, but I did see him in ECW.
3: Yes. And I saw him on a couple of oddball indies. It might have been prior to ECW. I I can't even tell you who was running them, but it was was a show in Philly and it wasn't at the arena.
2: Joe Goodhart, probably.
3: Maybe, uh, but it was Kevin Sullivan, Abdullah the Butcher, and Dusty Rhodes.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we never got to have uh, Abby come in. I would have liked that. I'm interested to see who your next name is. Our next name
0: who has never wrestled at the Garden is Archie Goldie, a.k.a. the Mongolian
3: Stomper. I had him on my list. John. If you look at the Bible, the uh,
2: yes, wrestling in the garden,
3: you'll see that he was booked in 1966. No kidding. Yes. The Mongolian stomper. He's even in one of the ads that would appear in the post or the daily news. 66, 67. I'm telling you, it's there. But they pulled him.
2: No kidding. He didn't even get a chance to be in the ring.
3: So he was not at the Garden. I think he did one TV taping or something.
2: Yeah, uh, it was the show um, from January 24th of 66. He is listed and was going to take on Chief Big Heart <laughs> that night. And, you know, the main event, just to give you a little tidbit, was Bruno against uh, Baron Mikel Sacluna <laughs> in the main event. And the Millers uh, tag team against Valentine and Bobo Brazil. and Antonio he was a- on the card so he did not get a chance to appear at the garden
0: he was also one of those older guys that wound up in the awa when they were on espn i remember watching him on espn yeah years you know so that was probably what the 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 mid the late 80s he was he was still wrestling
2: Interesting. All right. I did have a little bit more from uh, the book about why he couldn't appear on that show. He had gotten a call from his doctor up in Canada. His 12-year-old daughter was uh, undergoing surgery to remove her spleen. Okay. And so he had had to go to Vince Sr. and say, I got to go. I can't appear.
3: And he never came back.
2: That was it. Vince didn't care. Vince was like, all right, you're advertised. You're not going to be here. I don't care. I mean, Vince Jr. probably... (laughs) Who knows what he would have done. But uh, anyway, no Mongolian stomper at the garden. All right. Next up, a man who has never
0: wrestled at Madison Square Garden, Bill Dundee.
2: That's an interesting one, you know, because obviously the Memphis connection was never really strong there, with the exception of Lawler, you know, obviously coming in. But no Dundee.
3: But Lawler never came in in the 70s or 80s. That is true. I had on not to ruin Richie's uh, research, but I just noticed. There's quite a few of these Tennessee, Carolina type guys, the Young Bloods. Wait,
2: Jay Youngblood did wrestle there.
3: Uh oh. All right.
2: Uh, he teamed up with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, made their debut in 1981. Interesting. Uh, at All the right. barn against, against. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, because I was there shooting at ringside. So I, I got some incredible pictures of that match.
3: Okay. I had Dennis Condry on my list.
2: Yeah, I don't recall him being there either. You know, he was always a good good hand, a good worker.
3: Absolutely. You check
0: it out because we know that his uh, partner, this is the next one on the list, uh, not to scratch over Bill Dundee at all, but beautiful Bobby Eaton. They made the Midnight Express.
2: Yeah, that would have been great. The Midnight Express at Madison Square Garden would have been off the chart. And Bobby, of course, was one of the best workers out there and uh, never was able to be in that ring at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Any memories of uh, Bobby Eaton, Kerry? Did you ever get a chance to meet him?
3: I, I got a chance to meet him. He had retired, as I'm sure you did also. I was a huge Midnight Express fan just from seeing their stuff on TV, their matches against uh, Ricky Morton and uh, why can't I think Robert of Robert Gibson? Uh, thank you. And the Fantastics. They had some great. Great matches. We're, we're rolling through these names. Uh, what about Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson?
0: They have never wrestled at the Garden. Good one. Carry that is on the list. So we're talking about the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, Two of my favorite tag teams of all time have never wrestled at the Garden.
2: The Express, I mean, just uh, the matches they had outside the territory and that famous scaffold match against the Road Mm -hmm. Warriors, that was incredible. Of course, Bobby Eaton later went on uh, outside the Midnight Express when Cornette had left and Stan Lane did to be a member of the Dangerous Alliance, managed by Paul E. What a great career and what what a, a situation when we lost him as young as we did really, really sad. And I got to take my hat off to Corny here because now uh, what they're doing is um, they're putting out uh, for the first time ever. It's like a 40th anniversary Midnight Express action figure set uh, that Corny's selling directly. And the proceeds are going go to go to the grandkids and the kids of Bobby, and they're going to share share that money. And as Corny says, it's going to really help financially.
3: That's, that's going to be a nice piece and it's for a good cause. Yes, it is. The Midnight Express, they never really got the
0: respect till later on in years about the people they put over. I'm a huge Road Warrior fan, but the Road mm-hmm. Warriors would never be anything without like the Midnight Express or the Freebirds, smaller wrestlers to go against. And the Midnight Express always put other people over, made everyone, everyone they wrestled with look so much better.
2: They made everybody look like a million bucks because they were just great workers.
3: Tim, who you got next on your list?
0: Oh, a gentleman that I didn't know didn't wrestle at the Garden. Danny Hodge, Olympic
3: silver medalist from 1956. I had Hodge on my list. Correct me if I'm wrong, John, but he essentially wrestled through some of the 70s maybe into the he he
2: actually retired in 83 he made his debut in 59 he passed away in 2020 at the age of 88 and he won an olympic silver medal in 1956 and he was trained by leroy mcgurk and ed Strangro lewis ironically he made his appearance on wwe on raw in 2005 and 2012 he was honored really uh, by, by jim ross yeah but he was one of those guys that I'd read about in the magazines because he was like mm. the middleweight champion, right? And I always wanted to see him because he he got a lot of magazine coverage in the 60s and 70s. So I was like, I always wanted to see him, but I never had the opportunity.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think he wasn't he billed as uh, NWA light heavyweight champion? Yes, for many years. He always had
2: pictures of the belt in the magazines. And he was the guy. I was like, this Danny Hodge guy, because I'd read so much about him, I wanted <laughs> to see him. Never saw him on TV. Never saw him in person, obviously.
3: Yeah, it seems like a lot of these names: Midnight Express, uh, Hodge, many others. They stayed in the South and the Texas area. Um, I have another name on my on my list. I don't mean to
0: no, interrupt
3: him, but how about Bob Armstrong?
2: Wow, Bullet
3: Bob!
0: Bullet Bob Armstrong did not wrestle at the garden
2: that's another one surprising name
0: the armstrong family if you don't know the armstrong family bullet bob armstrong his kids scott armstrong became scott a referee armstrong. Um, Then he had Brad Armstrong, who was a great wrestler. Uh, Sadly, Brad passed away in November of 2012 at the age of 50. Um, Damn. His other son, Steve Armstrong, I remember watching him. He was tag team partners with Tracy Smothers, the Southern Boys. And Mm -hmm. probably the most popular was Jesse James, who went on to the WWF.
3: I have a Tracy Smothers story real quick. When Ring of Honor was at Madison Square Garden in 2019, of course, I wasn't the owner, but I got to participate. I saw Tracy Smothers, who I had met once or twice somewhere. He was looking to see if he could get on the show. It was on his bucket list. And I told him I had nothing to do with it. So I'm sure Tracy Smothers is another name that can be on this list.
2: Another one, of them Southern boys.
0: He, here's someone who wasn't from the South or the North. He actually was very popular in the West, the West meaning Japan. Dick Beyer, better known as the
3: Destroyer or Dr. X. John, I think it, this falls under the category of he would have been there, but it was because of the mask.
2: Right. They didn't uh, waive that rule till Moscaris came in in 72. And of course, uh, the Destroyer was probably the most famous American mass wrestler. Could be ever. I mean, he was a mainstay, but, you know, traveled the territories, but didn't, you know, was huge, huge over in Japan. Uh, and when you talk about other famous mass wrestlers like Moscaris from Mexico, for example, El Gil right. de Santo or the original uh, Santo, both from Mexico as well. And then you have El Olimpico. <laughs> he wrestled at the guard <laughs> with, with an open face mask.
3: Speaking of the Midwest or that general direction, I've got a name that I popped on my little list here. Billy Robinson.
2: Billy Robinson did wrestle at the Garden.
3: Did he? All right.
2: Once. I remember because I was in his hotel room uh, <laughs> with George Napolitano and Frank, I think it was Frankie Amato and uh, maybe after two, we, we went up to his room to interview him in the room. OK. Before his debut.
3: Obviously, it's incorrectly on the list. And I also wrote down Nick Bockwinkle.
0: Oh, Mr. Nick Bockwinkle. We have Nick Bockwinkle on his list. And we also have one of his family members. Can you tell me his family member's name?
3: Uh, I pass.
2: Warren, his dad. All right. Nick and Warren Bachwinkle. There you go. Father and son had won the AWA World Heavyweight title at one time. But yeah, Nick Bockwinkle, you would have figured that he would be one of those guys that would bring in. It would have been really great to see Vern Gagne against Nick Bockwinkle at the Garden. That would have been because that was a, a big feud for a lot of years.
3: I know that Gagne made an appearance in the 70s, and he, if you look in the, uh, the, the Garden record book, he was in a lot of main events in the 50s. You were probably there.
2: For not in the 50s. Not in the 50s. No, but Nick, I mean, a little bit more about him. He retired in 1987, made his debut in 54, trained by Luthez. And he appeared on the Monkeys TV show, if you remember the Monkeys TV show, <laughs> one of my favorite shows back in the day. And he was in the episode, I was a 99-pound weakling, if you want to look at that up on YouTube. He was a <laughs> AWA world heavyweight champion four times. And... Of course, tag team champions with Ray Stevens three times, and he also made the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame in 1996.
0: Going back to what Kerry was saying, yes, we did cover a show with Vern Gagne in it when he was the AWA yeah. champion. He wore the belt at the Garden, and that was a big deal.
2: Yeah, yeah, I took photos of that. I still love seeing Gagne at the Garden in those less than handful of times he was there. It was always special because I love that belt.
1: Who we got next?
0: We got next. Uh, a wrestler who has never wrestled at the Garden.
3: Frankie Kane. Frankie Kane. The
1: Inferno great Mephisto. number
0: one. Exactly, the Great
2: Mephisto. Uh,
3: believe it or not, on my little cheat sheet here, he was at the bottom of the list. I was scratching my head. Wow,
2: but you you've done really good with your with your your list because a lot of these names are names that uh, were researched for the show. Great Mephisto. Interesting. Any of you guys ever seen him wrestle? Never. Nope. No, I haven't seen a tape of him. I never saw I never saw nothing of him. I knew who he was, obviously. And there is a book out on him that Scott Teal put out. Scott puts out some of these classic books featuring some great names and some uh, maybe obscure names like. Frankie Kane.
0: Let me bring the next guy in because I know we Go all ahead. know the family. It's not the Armstrongs anymore. Now we're going to the Von Eriks. Fritz Von Erich never wrestled at the garden.
3: That is wild too.
2: That's
0: wild.
3: That is wild because we saw Waldo. We did. But he's not really a Von Erick. <laughs> yeah. And
2: then we saw the Texas Tornado, obviously, right. you know, when they changed poor Carrie's name to Texas Tornado, which was crazy. What about Kevin, David? Did any of those guys ever work the garden?
3: I I don't remember seeing them. You know what's going to
2: happen, Carrie, you know, and and Tim, we're going to probably get a boatload of emails or social media posts on some names that we may have missed. Which is great.
0: Well, well, Richie was very good with this list, and I was.
2: He's always good at his research.
0: He's so good. So, Kerry, earlier on, I was. I called Richie up and I said, "Hey, your list looks great, but what about Wahoo McDaniel?" I said, "Look, Wahoo McDaniel was on the New York Jets. He'd be. He'd be great. You know, he would have been great on them. Why didn't he work at the guard?" He goes, "Oh, he did in '64. He did in '64, '65." Yes. Wow. Well, let me go on to another name for you, gentlemen. I, I thought May could have been worked at the Garden because of when he retired. Lord Alfred Hayes, who debuted in 1950 and retired in 1986, he never wrestled at the Garden.
2: And then did all the TV, obviously. He was uh, he was kind of a sidekick to Vince McMahon on uh, on that TNT show that they started up in 84, Tuesday Night Titans, and he was a mainstay for a lot of years on TV.
0: And I thought he also did The Garden with Gorilla Monsoon. He did Terry, so he was at the Garden, but he never wrestled at the Garden, surprisingly only because he had those four years that he was still wrestling, he didn't retire mm-hmm. until 96, maybe he could have at least had one, uh, you know, one match.
3: There's someone else that is in the same kind of situation, Bobby the Brain Hen.
2: Well, didn't he wrestle in the Weasel suit? Yeah, check yes, that out. Yeah, but that was but was, that mean, it is, was that it at the Garden? Was that the Garden or somewhere else?
3: In, in, the, the, in the late sixties, okay. all through yeah. the seventies, we never saw prime Bobby the Brain. No. And yes, you're right. He did do the Weasel thing. Maybe it was at the Garden.
2: But I'm sure. I'm sure
3: he, he had the Garden. It was a at
2: a pay per view or a WrestleMania or something right uh, for sure yes. but you know what i loved about heenan is seeing the old tapes uh pre-wwe the bumps and he took great bumps as a manager too but he was he was a bleeder uh and when he managed the uh blackjacks in the detroit area i mean this guy drew probably more heat as a wrestling manager in that territory than almost anybody else just because of the way he riled the crowd up and the bumps he used to take and the blood he used to spill what a brawler heenan was what a mouthpiece.
3: I would love to have seen him in his prime, Tim. Did you uh want to say anything more about did Lord you- Hayes?
0: What I liked about Lord Alfred Hayes was he he got his name. I I think the story is correct. Tell me if I'm wrong if you heard this one before. He was over in England. He was wrestling And somebody from the royal family came to one of the matches, and he made sure that the photographer took a picture of him shaking hands with him, and then he sent that picture all over the world saying, ah, see here, I am with royalty, I am a lord. And that's how he worked that name into his gimmick.
2: nickname stuck. I mean, he uh, passed away at 76 in 2005. Best known for these seven words, promotional considerations paid for by the following. (laughs) (laughs) And he uh, he quit in uh, 1995 after enduring a series of pay cuts, uh, but he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018. And the Bobby Heenan story, did you ever get a chance to talk to or meet Heenan, Carrie?
3: Yes, we were very, very lucky that we had Bobby Heenan and Jim Cornette work for Ring of Honor and you can find it on YouTube I'm sure Jim did an interview with him a so-called shoot interview we were doing a show in at the Rexplex in Elizabeth, New Jersey when the shoot interview was over we were at a Sheraton hotel near Newark Airport Bobby wanted to get something to drink and it was just myself Carnett and Bobby Heenan now all the time that Carnett was working, he and Heenan never crossed paths in the territories. Hmm. They did in WWE later, you know, in the 90s. But the point is, Carnett didn't spend a lot of time with Heenan, even in the 90s. So we do the interview. We're at the bar. Bobby Heenan says, I got to go to the bathroom. So I turned to Carnett. I said, Jim, it's so cool because I was just first meeting him. It's so cool getting to just talk to you. But talking with Bobby Heenan and and Karna... He taps me on the D. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know,
2: a very he cool went- memorable moment was when Cornette made his debut at Monday Night Raw and Heenan was doing the announcing and jumped into the ring. And, Do you know, who this man is? And they were embracing. And that was just kind of a cool just to see those legends together. But my my Heenan story was around 1990. I was invited to go to the garden or early 91 before the scandals. Uh, with Broadway, Sonny Blaze, who was a co-host of Pro <coughs> of Spotlight. Mm-hmm. And he invited me to the garden. He would gotten tickets. And backstage, after the show was over, we're, we're exiting. We're in backstage area. And we're waiting for the elevator to take us down to the street mm-hmm. level. And Heenan, myself, and Sonny Blaze, and a couple other people are there. And we're waiting for this elevator. And waiting and waiting. And, and finally, Heenan is like, $100 million building, $10 cent elevator. You know? And <laughs> and everyone just just popped
3: in my short time getting to spend with him these one-liners and his wit was you know it was constant he was a hell of a guy and talk about a talent once again i would have liked to have seen him work the garden at one point in the 70s but um it never happened
2: who do you got next
3: uh, a gentleman who I've never seen
0: wrestle, but really did really well in the magazines. This guy never wrestled at the garden. The mighty
3: Igor. Ooh one. We we had Ivan Putsky. That was our version.
2: Yeah, the the question is always who came first, Igor or Putsky. <laughs> and it was really Igor. And then Putsky kind of copied his gimmick almost to the T when he first came in before Putsky became this, you know, muscular guy. Because uh, he had that big round belly for a while, Putsky, just like Igor did. I got to see Igor wrestle twice in I know where IWA Jersey City. Yes, Roosevelt. Uh, when I took that date.
3: Remember?
2: <laughs> yes, yes.
3: Yeah, you're right. I think I'm safe to say both those guys made a lot of money in their day and yeah. people loved them.
2: Yeah. He debuted in 57. His real name was Richard Garza. Debuted in 57, retired in 87, passed away at the age of 70 in 2002, billed as the world's strongest wrestler. And his gimmick, uh, as I said, Polish strongman, was borrowed by many, including. Ivan Putski. He did many feats of strength on television, using his legs to hold back a car coming towards him. He used to put uh, cement blocks on his head and have someone break them with a sledgehammer. And he was at one time an AWA world champion.
0: Excellent. Another wrestler who has never wrestled
3: at the Garden, Oli Anderson. I have him on my list. I have him. I have Oli uh, slash Gene.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Gene, Lars, Oli, and Arn. And Arn. Wrestled there. That's a big one. Maybe it was his attitude. I don't know. He was always a little cantankerous. Uh, but, uh, Ole Anderson, uh, just a huge career, obviously, behind the scenes, in front of the scenes, in the ring. He worked only two territories in 23 years. Wow. And that's saying something. Part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew from 85, 86, Four Horsemen, 86, 87, and then came back for that ill-fated run, 89, 90. Worked backstage for WCW from 90 to 95, trained by Vern Gagne, and there is an Ole Anderson book written by Scott Teal, and that's at crowbarpress.com. And it's uh, how corporate America destroyed professional wrestling Is only Oli could write it. Uh, he's 80 years old still kicking. Our, our next gentleman who has never
0: wrestled
3: at the Garden, Pepper Gomez. Wow. That's a good one. John, wasn't he like a staple in the San Francisco oh, area? You,
2: big draw in the 60s, uh, big feuds with Ray Stevens and Pat Patterson. What I remember about him mostly reading about him in the magazines, and also one of these guys I always wanted to see. He wrestled mostly in the Northern California area. He was known for these exceptional abdominal muscles, where he had like the abdomen of steel. He won a lot of bodybuilding contests and awards, and uh, he would perform a stunt, and he'd have someone drive a Volkswagen Beetle over his stomach. <laughs> so yeah, he had a he had this uh, an iron stomach. Uh, he passed away in two thousand four at the age of seventy seven. He debuted in nineteen 19- Fifty-three retired in 1982. Now let's go back down south. Another person who's
0: never wrestled at the garden, but probably would do very well, Sputnik Monroe.
3: Oh. Yeah, another one, another legend. He didn't make my list. That's a good one. Sputnik Monroe, I would read about him in the wrestling magazines. I started getting the magazines when I was like 10 years old in 1966. And Sputnik was a staple in the South. And he also had the famous story about him. You know, there was still segregation, Mm -hmm. you know, at a lot of these matches where Black people had to sit in separate areas. And uh, he didn't like that. And uh, he did a lot to uh, try to change that.
2: Yeah, he did. And especially in the Memphis area, he was uh, one of those guys instrumental in ending the segregation there in wrestling. Uh, Had an interesting career, real name Roscoe Merritt. He passed away in 2006 at the age of 77. I remember Sputnik also, and you were talking about the magazines, because one of the very first issues of Wrestling Review that I bought in 1966, featured Sputnik Monroe, or it could have been 67. I think I bought my first wrestling magazine at 67, actually. Wrestling World, February 8, 1967 with Bruno <laughs> on the cover.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner,
0: adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in
1: overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh,
2: you know, one thing about Sputnik, too, I mean, he retired from wrestling in 75, returned to wrestle one last match in 1988, but he's a WWE Hall of Famer in the class of 2018. Interesting.
3: Yeah, it's interesting the way they do that. Can I throw out a name? Please? Absolutely. Give it to us. Jose Lothario.
2: Right. Another one of those big name West Coast guys. and Texas. In Texas. I,
3: I had him and Chavo Guerrero jotted down.
2: Obviously, Junior was there. Who
3: was the, pa- who was the patriarch of that family? Gorey.
2: Gory Guerrero, okay.
3: They never appeared at the Garden, or if they did, it was uh, slim to none. Yeah. And another wrestler who has never wrestled at
0: the
2: Garden, Tiger Jeet Singh. Uh, Well, you know much about him? I I know from reading about him in the magazines. That's all I really know about him.
3: A famous opponent to the Sheik. Yep. He wrestled a lot in Toronto and Detroit and I think in Japan. But he never made his way to New York City.
2: His son, Tiger Ali Singh, wrestled for WWE. He's still around. He's 79 years old. He was uh, famous, I guess. if People remember this in 1995, the King of the Ring deathmatch tournament. He was uh, famous for helping Cactus Jack turn on Terry Funk. Little tidbit there.
0: Another wrestler who has never wrestled in the garden, Wilbur Snyder.
2: Another big name.
3: If we're going to talk about him, we could throw in Moose Cholic. Moose Cholik, yes. <laughs> now, what made Moose so famous? There's pictures of him in the magazines where he had a moose antlers. I thought he like, had the whole moose? head.
0: What, didn't he have the, the whole head? head? The whole head. The Not whole whole just a rack. Head. The head and the rack on it. Wow. I didn't know much about him. Do you know, What do you know about him, John?
2: Uh, he uh, held the AWA World Championship three times. He passed away at the age of 62 in 1992. He was trained by Warren Bachwinkle, billed as the world's most scientific wrestler. And uh, Bobby Heeman claimed that Snyder invented the abdominal stretch.
0: Another wrestler has never wrestled in the garden, Manny Fernandez.
2: Yeah, that's another surprise because he was mainstay in a lot of uh, territories, uh, big run in Florida, feuding with Terry Funk, trained by Terry, also debuted in 77, uh, retired in 2019, 68 years old, uh, uh, RVD Rob Van Dam uh, in his Hall of Fame speech. He thanked Manny Fernandez. And uh, he was pretty outspoken, especially uh, when he talked about Ric Flair. He did not like to work with Flair.
3: Yeah, he would have been a great opponent for Backlund, yeah. You know, he was popular in that era or even into the Hulk Hogan era. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we never got to see him.
0: I did like his work in the NWA. He did a lot of great work in the NWA. Actually, he was a tag team champion with Rick Rude at one time.
3: I'm, I'm coming to the end of my list here, but I've got one that I bet you, if I, I, I don't mind betting a little once in a while, I bet it wasn't on your list. A staple of the Northwest, Dutch Savage.
2: Not on our list, not even in our honorable mentions. Please explain who Dutch Savage is.
3: All I know is Dutch Savage was very popular in like the Portland, Seattle, Vancouver area. You know, I'd read about him in the magazines. I think he had a big feud out there with the great Bull Ramos. And he was a, he was a big guy and, and he would have done well in WWWF.
2: Bull Ramos. Do you remember? Uh, do you have a little trivia on Bull Ramos? Do you know what he was uh, famous for in the New York run, Kerry?
3: I think he was the first opponent of Bruno at the New Garden.
2: Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> gotcha.
2: We're fucking old, aren't we? <laughs>
3: Ring that bell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <you know>, uh, <laughs> our friend Brian Solomon, who wrote the great book on the Sheik. Yes. Uh, he uh, mentioned, you know, he's been working on this Gorilla Monsoon book, and he really wanted to do a book about, like, Tootsmont and Willie Gilsenberg. But there's only, like, six or eight people, and we're two of them. That would Yeah, be that, that, that,
2: that remember <laughs> but, them.
3: Like this podcast, you know, hopefully there's some younger fans and you have a very good following and there's some younger fans that are hearing these names and instead of scratching their heads, they look them up. I used to get upset with some of the young kids at Ring of Honor, whether it was Roderick Strong or even Samoa Joe back in the day, they didn't know about the great history of wrestling, which I think is very important. Is that going to make you a better wrestler? I I think you, you need to know what came before you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And a guy like Willie Gilsenberg was so prominent because he <laughs> the, he was the head, uh, you know, the fictitious head of the WWF. He might have owned a piece, but I remember mostly about Willie. They called him Shuffle and Willie because he just shuffled along. He didn't even walk. He just kind of shuffled slowly. And it was a little guy. And uh, I probably shared this story before, but, it, you know, for this podcast, I'll repeat it. Because I got my press pass for the first time with Willie, because they stayed at the Holland Hotel on Forty Second Street and Eighth Avenue. That's where the headquarters of Capitol Wrestling were on the second floor of that dingy hotel, and that's where everyone uh, used to get their tickets. The wrestlers used to get their wrestling tickets, uh, photographers used to get their passes, and I knew that they were on the second floor. And I saw Willie Gilsenberg shuffling in to the Holland Hotel. I'm like, this is my chance. Got to talk to him. Got to see if I get a press pass. And followed him into the elevator. And instead of pushing the button for the second floor where the office was, which was actually just a transformed hotel room, I pushed the 18th floor. And so I gave an elevator pitch pulled out my little ring wrestling magazine card signed by Nat lobe and uh, had a magazine in my hand with my article in it and he was like all pissed off and yeah made me miss my floor and then <laughs> I you know we got back down to the second floor and he said come at me kid and uh opened the door to that little office and there was Gorilla Monsoon sitting there and Arnie Skoland and uh and he was like Arnie give this kid a press pass and that's how I got my first photographer's pass at the garden which was in um, January of seventy five.
3: That's a great story. My Parents were from Newark, New Jersey and uh were Jewish so they all knew Gilzenberg because it was just you know part of the community my uncle Henry who I don't know if we mentioned this on the last podcast but my uncle Henry who got the tickets from Manny Hecklin at Sunnyside Gardens the first time oh. I went he knew Gilzenberg he's oh Gilly Gilly, Gilly. cuz these guys went back to the I think I'm safe to say the the 30s, 40s.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you have yeah. that little close knit group that were really those guys that were instrumental in uh, the office, which was Willie Gilsenberg, Angelo Savoldi, Phil Zacco, Arnie Scoland. You know, Monsoon was a big part of the internal organization as well. Of course, Vince Senior and, and then later on, uh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But yeah, I mean, what a tight knit group they were, old timers that were really old school. And I used to fear them because... You know, they get a wild hair up their ass They throw you out of the back I was spotted at the IWA They threw me out of the dressing room in Philly Phil Zackle threw me out of the dressing room in Philly I got kicked out of the Boston Garden at ringside Because I was seen and, and this was by a guy named Coogie McFarlane This guy Coogie McFarlane was like One of the promoters of one of the inner circle in Boston. And he was a short guy, wore one of these brimmed hats and always had a little nub of a a cigar sticking out of his mouth. And then uh, he came and uh, he got me at the Boston Garden. I was shooting ringside and he was like, you're out of here. I was like, you were seen at the opposition show. And I was like, holy smokes. I mean, and then I had Ernie Roth, the Grand Wizard smooth things over so i can get back at my spot the next month
3: well you got me on kooky i never (laughs) i usually know all these oddballs but uh there's another one willie Gilsenberg's partner was babe cullen Hmm. and he was another fringe guy like Coogie, I'm sure Gilsonberg and Babe Cullen and probably Coogie, they dabbled with boxing you know Willie Gilsonberg got thrown out of New York State for fixing a fight wow Not and he a- got back in slowly through the wrestling the athletic commission didn't want him messing around with any boxing anymore
2: yeah well I mean that's an that's interesting stuff I mean and and then there's like there's one other name you guys won't know who it is and uh, And this is not the garden. This is Boston Garden. But uh, George towner used to rib me all the time about this guy at ringside at the Boston Garden whose name was Jazzo. That was his name. And he wore a knitted yarmulke. <laughs> and it was like a rainbow colored yarmulke so uh George is like that's the guy keep him happy and you'll be set and and he was just ribbing me and I started you know, to talk to Jazzo at the Boston Garden really be you know kiss up to him be nice to him and I discovered that he was uh he was a magician and a clown as well (laughs) so so I actually at the junior college I was attending in Boston Graham Junior College it was a TV radio school I invited Jazo to do a little special for us for our college TV <laughs> so I could get in good with him and then of course Napolitano was like hey you know just just effing with you. <laughs> you know, so here I bring Jazzle the Clown to my college to do a TV special, so I can get in good with him at the Boston Garden. But
0: let me finish off with a wrestler that, when Richie and I were talking about this, he he should have always stayed heel, and when he turned to babyface, his career pretty much ended. Nikita Koloff.
2: Yeah, I mean, he would have been perfect for the Garden, especially if they would have teamed up with Ivan.
3: Yes, correct me if I'm wrong. He really didn't start wrestling till the mid '80s.
2: '84 debut.
3: I also had on my list Thunderbolt Patterson.
2: Oh yeah, and he's still with us, Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt Patterson, what a great name from Florida. Got to see him and uh, meet him a few times now at the uh, Dan Gable Hall of Fame and Museum in uh, in Iowa. He goes to those uh, annual events there. Nice guy. What do you got on your honorable mention? I'll list? throw out a couple of them: uh, Buzz Sawyer,
0: Chris Adams, the Great ah. Muda, Johnny Weaver, and Magnum Ta.
3: How about Hercules Ayala? Ooh. I remember him.
2: <laughs> See, you go on and on with this stuff. It's like really interesting to uh, look at these names and there's a lot of quality names that didn't get to wrestle at the Mecca. So
3: honorable mention, guys, Bobby Jaggers. Yes. And and Bob Sweetan.
2: Bob Sweetan.
3: <laughs> Another miserable guy.
2: Uh, oh wow. Um Interesting stuff. I mean, uh, what a great conversation, Carrie. I really appreciate you coming on with us again.
3: Well, I had a lot of fun, Tim. Thank you so much. This is why
0: we do the show—to have you guys talk about it. And I think Kerry said it the best. If you hear a name you don't know, look it up because these people—they—they they were the cornerstone of wrestling. Wrestling has different eras in it, and when you started getting the television, and then you started going territories in television, and you start going the Garden. The guys that we're talking about all over the country made great money and were great wrestlers, but they just never wrestled at the Garden. And Kerry, and I want to go back to real quick. You said that you had Jim Cornette and Bobby the Brain Heenan, that shoot interview that anyone can find on YouTube right now. That was done when you were with Ring of Honor? Yes, that was awesome. I, I watched that. I watched that a lot. Somebody cut it up in the little clips and it's really great when you're talking about someone like Jim Cornette who loves professional wrestling and is talking to one of his idols and they had these great conversations kind of like you two have all the time. That's why I always sit back and listen to you guys talk because I love listening to you guys talk about guys that I've never heard of before That, but now I'm going to look up on the internet.
2: And you know one thing uh, also about Carrie and his social media which I want him to plug as well but he really does as you say respect the history remember the history and carrie you do a fine job of that on all your social media platforms so how how do people find you on social media
3: oh it's not that hard it's uh i'm on uh instagram and on x
2: x formerly known as twitter
3: right as r-o-h-c-a-r-y and if you want to hear some of my adventures and misadventures the last stop Penn Station podcast is on all podcast platforms. There's over 70 episodes covering my time with ring of honor as well as my time as a fan as well as my time hustling tickets in new york city and some other interesting stories and uh thank you so much for having considering me for this oddball stuff john we'll bring uh, you
2: back for more (laughs)
3: let's do let's do it again
2: all right my friend thank you so much
3: tim thank you my man
2: well thank you john do you have anything else? No, I'm good. I'm good.
0: All right, for Kerry Silken, John Arizzi, Richard Garcia, I'm Tim Poutre. We'll see you next time.